we're going to handle the scripture reading a little bit differently today. I'm going to read it myself. But after we do, if you will, an introduction to set the scene, which sometimes can be very relevant to the meaning of the scripture itself. But before I do that, I want to say how pleased and happy Pat and I and the family are to be with you today to, to share in worship. I'm, of course, no, no, of course, you don't know that. I'm the pastor of the First United Methodist of Gulfport, which is a part of St. Petersburg, though they don't really regard themselves that way. So don't tell them that I say that they're, they're surrounded on three sides by St. Pete and one side by water. It's a waterfront community, very heavily uh, winter visitor. So our ranks swell in the wintertime and <laughs> diminish in the summer. But anyway, we're going to be in the Gospel of John today. And this is from the lectionary because Lee and I both tend to use the lectionary. And today's passage, well, one of the techniques, literary techniques that the gospel writer John uses a number of times is Jesus will make a figurative statement that someone then takes literally. And no, he has to go back and correct them and then gives him another chance to explain what he's talking about. Perhaps you remember his visit with Nicodemus the ruler of the Jews who came secretly at night to meet with Jesus and they're beginning a religious discussion and Jesus tells him, you must be born and the Greek word is anothen, means anew and from above. It can mean both. We're not going to get into that, but you must be born again. You must be born anew. You must be born from above to enter the kingdom of God. And of course, sort of like a stooge playing his role Nicodemus says, what? You can't climb back into the mother's womb, can you? And Jesus says, of course not, Nick. And he goes on to explain about being spiritually reborn. You may recall the woman at the well. Same technique. Jesus talks about living water, and if you partake of the water that he will feed or drink, give you to drink, you will never be th thirsty again. She says, where are you going to get this water from? You don't even have a rope. And so he explains he's talking figuratively. So our scripture today, he is going to talk figuratively at first. And it's helpful to remember, or I'm going to build the scene, if you will. Today's scripture will follow, or does follow, the feeding of the multitude, he left that place and returned to his adult hometown of Capernaum, and a number of people followed him. And he accuses them of not following him because they want to hear more of the word of God, but because, quote, you ate your fill of the loaves. <laughs> and then he goes on also to explain in the course of their conversation that it wasn't Moses who created the manna from heaven. 
It was God who fed the Hebrew children in the wilderness those years with the manna. And then he tells them to, don't, let's kind of move this, that the bread of God is that which comes down from heaven and gives life to the earth. He's speaking figuratively. And they say, sir, give us this bread also. Or always, because he, they're taking him literally, they, he, they won't be hungry or thirsty again. And that brings us to today's scripture. So he's been talking figuratively about this bread that comes down from heaven and feeds life to the earth. Give us this bread always, sir. And then in the sixth chapter of the Gospel of John, starting with verse 35, Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. But I have said to you that you have seen me and yet do not believe. Everything that the Father gives me will come to me, and anyone who comes to me, I will never drive away. But I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. Now we're going to skip a few verses to verse 41. Then the Jews began to complain about him because he had said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They were saying, and Pat's already referred to this in another gospel, is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How can he now say, I have come down from heaven? Jesus answered them, do not complain among yourselves. No one can come to me unless drawn by the Father who sent me. And I will raise that person up on the last day. It is written in the prophets, they shall all be taught by God. Everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. Not that anyone has seen the Father except the one who is from God. He has seen the Father. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Now, there's a number of things we could talk about because this passage is chocked full of important concepts and important messages. But I've chosen some that sort of really stand out to me. Now, you may have heard other things that you wished I was going to talk about, but since I'm up here, I get to impose my will on you. <laughs> and the first starts out with that very first verse. Chapter 6, verse 35. I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry, and whoever believes in me will never 
be thirsty. Now, obviously, he is talking spiritually. And then he, there's also a great promise. Whoever comes to him, he says, and believes will never be hungry or thirsty again. Yes, we've said that. And I'm, I'm repeating, that's, that's a great promise. But there is a, uh, there is a catch. What are we to believe? And as a pastor, I'm not infrequently asked some version of that question. What are we to believe? Well, John makes it very, very clear, at least from his point of view, at the end of his gospel. Chapter 20, not in today's reading, but chapter 20, verse 31 and 32, he says, Jesus did many, many things that are not recorded in this book, but, quote, these are written so that you may come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah. Older translation, the Christ, which... Sometimes Paul turns in, it sounds almost like Jesus' last name. But it's his title. He is the Christ, which is Greek for Messiah. So we are to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that through believing, you may have life in his name. Okay, Messiah. I don't want to get too deep, but what did John mean? What does the Bible understand and teach about the Messiah? Well, the Messiah is the anointed one. Anointed at his baptism in the River Jordan by the prophet John when the Holy Spirit descended upon him. So Messiah means the anointed one of God. It also meant the chosen one of God. It meant the holy one of God. That's what it meant then. That's what it means now. The anointed, chosen, holy one of God. And if we have that understanding, if we have that understanding, according to John, according to Jesus, quoting Jesus, we will never be spiritually hungry or thirsty again. That void that perhaps we have felt at different times in our lives without the presence of the Lord, that void is filled and we will never be spiritually wanting, hungry or thirsty again. But he accuses them. He says, uh, you have seen and do not believe. So that leads me to the second point that jumps out at me. When he tells us, that is, Jesus tells us through John, it is the Father who calls, who draws, or, quote, gives people to Jesus as followers. Two verses I want to briefly read. 37, everything that the Father gives me will come to me. And everyone who comes to me, I will never drive away. Ooh, another good promise, big promise. Skipping to verse 44. 
He later adds, no one can come to me unless drawn by the Father who sent me. I will raise that person up on the last day. Another great promise. So, coming to Jesus, coming to understanding and belief of who he is, is not a human accomplishment. It is not a feather in our caps, but a gift of the Father. The will of God. No one can come to me unless the Father draws them to me. John quotes Jesus as saying, well, now I can't visit another Wesleyan church, another Methodist church, without bringing a little Wesleyan, okay. Just to show you I studied him. <laughs> and good old John had to have a name for everything. And he called this concept, and it comes from this and other passages, prevenient grace. Don't worry, it's not on the test in fellowship hall afterwards. Prevenient grace. And what he meant was simply God is always calling us to him, to his son. Always calling whether we respond. Ah, that's another question. According to this passage, the Father is the one who has brought us here this morning or allowed us to choose to come here this morning. And I believe, as Wesley did, in free will. And uh, I think that's an important concept here. Jesus adds in verse 45, Everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. Heard and learned. And to me, that definitely proves or confirms free will. Some people have heard, not paid any attention, or rejected. Some have never heard, but most of the ones that we are familiar with have heard, and uh, they either decide yes or they decide no. All of these promises that we've kind of gone over just now and the concept of never being hungry or thirsty again if we come to him, the concept of being drawn by God and everyone who has heard and learned from the Father will come to him. But, and don't you always know there's that but. We have to have heard and we have to have learned from the Father to get the understanding of who this Jesus is. He's Messiah, the anointed, chosen, holy one of God. And with that understanding, with that understanding, we will never be spiritually wanting 
again. I want to conclude with three other brief promises that really I haven't emphasized. Jesus said that whoever comes to him, he will never drive away. You heard that? Never drive away. In other words, he accepts everyone who he calls, and he calls everyone, and if they respond and come to our Lord, he will never drive them away. A second additional promise, and he says it twice in this passage, that whoever comes to him, whoever believes in him, will have eternal life. I want to stop just there for a moment. What does eternal life mean to John? It meant the same thing as the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, other wordings in the other gospels. What it meant was to John, it is life here in this world that smacks of the life to come. It is of eternal life or like eternal life. And it is the whoever comes to the understanding that Jesus is Messiah, the Son of God, will have eternal life, meaning kingdom of God life here and now. Jesus began his ministry with that theme. Repent, for the kingdom of God is here. It is at hand. It has come near, all various translations. And so we don't have to wait for the great beyond. We can be a part of God's ways and God's will and live in the kingdom here, now. It is among us. And he says whoever comes to the understanding of who he is will live in that kingdom. But they have to choose to have heard from the Father and learned from the Father and choose to come to him. And then there's another promise, and this is the one that he says twice. I misspoke a moment ago. I will raise that person up on the last day. And he says that twice in this short passage. So my hope and even prayer this morning for each of us is that we hear the Father and continue to learn from him so that we are drawn closer to our Lord, his ways and his will for each and every one of our lives and that we continue to grow in our faith, our belief, our understanding, so that we may be part of that kingdom here and now.